Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, Pokemon trading card games from your podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? It's going pretty good, Riley. Things are looking up for your boy. Looking up? Why do you say that? Oh, well, we just, you know, we got a tournament this weekend. We work is going, like, marginally better. <laughs> Um, I'm hanging out with you right now. I mean, there's so true, so true. There's definitely, there's definitely a few things in my life that that are that are good. Oh, we had a fun. I had a fun story time tonight with my daughter. Oh yeah, what was she the story? Is, well, they were reading. It was like a book about bears and colors. And this bear goes on an adventure and he finds all these different colors. No. Yeah, dude, sick, <laughs> sick book for sure. And then the librarian brought out the bubble machine oh yeah dude the bubble machine hits it hits crazy yeah i'm telling you man you should have seen those kids when the <laughs> bubbles came out kids love insane. a good bubble and then my daughter was popping off with the bubbles <laughs> and she was popping off she can basically walk at this point yeah which is crazy to me like she's that is you crazy. Know, she's doing the she's doing the kind of drunken walk and the you know take a few steps and then you know fall over kind of thing no. so yeah so that's cute it is pretty cute so how are you doing i'm doing pretty well i you know i don't have any exciting baby story times but you know work is going well for me as well i have a lot of things moving and grooving right now a couple of internal projects i'm launching next week um and I've been watching a lot of Love Island with my girlfriend, and we're loving it. It's so fun. Do you want to go on the show? Uh, no, no. You have to be okay. so insane to go on the show. Like, <laughs> really, you know? To yeah. sign up for any of those, not even just Love Island, for like any of those types of shows, yeah, just takes like a special kind of brain to do, and it's not one that's really compatible with with my brain. So, um. But it's so fun to watch. <laughs> it's great yeah, it's so goofy. It yeah. is. It is. Um, and you know, things things have been good. Yeah, I really don't have a tournament until later in March with uh, yeah. not going to Knoxville, and so my next one is is in Charlotte, which is an additional like four weeks away, um, which is fine in some ways. I'm get I'm almost like a little antsy in other ways where I just want to get a move on, but also it's still in the same format like another month from now. Are it, you disappointed? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm definitely really excited for Europe yeah. where it'll be a fresh new format plus rotation right. plus an international trip. Like that sounds really exciting to me. And I'm just not as jazzed necessarily about some of these other tournaments that are still in sort of this Silver Tempest format. Um you know, I think the formats, I don't think it's a bad format necessarily. I think it's like a fine format, but it's just really long. And there's a lot of homogeneity, I guess, in, in the decks and that you're seeing at this point. Sure. Especially with just Lugia being so powerful sure. that, you know, you're consistently seeing at tournaments it show up as like 40% of the meta, 30% of the meta. Um, and that gets just a little old, you know. I, believe me i know and it see it does seem like there's little room for innovation um you know the the cores of these decks like the cores of lugia you know you're playing the same 56 57 cards uh yeah. pretty much in every list i mean you have some anomalies which we will talk about in 
the podcast a little bit later, but they're it's solved. You know, it does feel very solved and that can be annoying, um, especially just because there's not that many good counters to Lugia. Yeah, exactly. I will say though, I I do still have some FOMO for this weekend. Like it's always fun to go to these things and hang out with everybody. Um, And I'm sad that I wasn't at Orlando and I won't be at uh, Knoxville here because I do enjoy just sort of the experience that comes with it. Right. That's a huge part of it for me is the experience of being with my friends and, staying in the hotels together and getting food together and uh, and talking smack and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's fun and and interesting. (laughs) True. True. um, You know, I'll, I'll miss that, but I'll be happily watching from the sidelines. I'll I'll have the stream on over the weekend here at home. Will you cheer for us? Yeah. Yeah. I think I might like a, like a hip hip. Yeah. Maybe a hooray. even. (laughs) I'll throw a yippee. And if you win your games too. Wahoo. (laughs) I'll, I'll have the pokey data queued up with all your guys plugged in. You know, I'll mm. be ready. I'll be ready. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a loyal spectator friend. <laughs> I really am. That's great. <laughs> but, you know, not only do we have a tournament ahead, we have plenty of stuff in the rearview mirror. So we're going to talk today about the Oceania International Championship and digesting some of what came out of that. Azul Garcia Griego taking home the win with Lost Box. And then we will also head into sort of the future, what's to come with with Knoxville as the immediate what's ahead of us mm-hmm. there. So, I mean, let's just dive right into it, man. We got OCIC now in that rearview mirror, like I said, and Azul taking home the dub with Lost Box. Congrats to Azul. Um, but there was, again, you have Lugia in 50% of the top eight, it was 50% of the top 16, 50% of the top 32. Lugia showed up in droves for this tournament as it has continued to do. And one thing I just want to continue to point out is Lugia is aggregating, right? At the Mm -hmm. higher placements of these tournaments, you know, you have 20 some percent of players are playing Lugia and then you have 50% of the top 16 and top eight as Lugia. So it's congregating upwards when you play Lugia um which is just insane right it's absolutely ridiculous i think it just uh, i mean obviously not that anyone needs to hear this but it just goes to show the strength of the deck and just how good it has been um over the long haul i mean it's still like it's been in the we've been in this format for a month and a half two months um and just seeing how strong lugia has been for the entirety of that without really any hard counters i mean the thing is with the deck is that you have answers to your weakness problem. You can one-shot everything. You play one prizers. It's like almost the perfect deck if you were to come up with one. You know, <laughs> sure, it has a few deficiencies. Sure, it relies on an ability. But when every other deck does, it's hard to counter that with path. You know, there's very few decks that can effectively utilize path, and there's very few decks that can effectively one-shot Lugias and take care of all the one prizers. It's, it's just got everything. So, uh, yeah, like you said... Lugia congregating at those top tables. It is a fallback deck, I think, for a lot of players just because they might try something a little funny, a little weird, find out that it has an awkward matchup, an awkward Lost Box matchup, an awkward Mew matchup, and then decide, you know what, maybe I'll just stick with Old Faithful. I mean, it certainly is for me that backup deck that I feel really comfortable playing, that I feel like there is a little bit of skill expression, maybe not against 
uh, players that I feel are, you know, of, of an equal um, or, or better playing ability, but there is skill expression certainly amongst, you know, the player that just picked up the deck. So certainly a deck that I'm looking forward to uh, potentially playing in Knoxville. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Lugia, I think you kind of knit the hit, hit, <laughs> knit the hail on the, <laughs> hit the nail so on true. the head there. Uh, Lugia, I wouldn't say it has the highest skill ceiling in the format. I think that easily no. goes to like probably a Lost Box deck, mm-hmm. but I think it it does reward good play. Just but the ceiling at which it starts to like taper off is just a little bit lower, right? You know, you have your sort of above average tier player, and once you sort of hit that threshold, you're operating at a similar you know, margin with these Lugia decks, which, um, you know, for better or worse, that's just the way it is. I, you know, I agree that Lugia is a great sort of fallback option. You know, you don't feel confident in some of these matchups. Lugia has pretty decent matchups across the board outside of like the craziest, hardest counters. So it's probably a safe pick to just run with. And that, that demonstrates itself by the results that we've seen. You know, you'll, you'll hear the horror stories. You'll hear the people who, you know, make day two with Lugia and then completely flub out from there or the people who just didn't hit Archeops all day. But I think when you aggregate, like, the summation of Lugia at any given tournament, it's very obvious that this is just, like, the play at any given event, um, at least for the, the layman, right? Well, right. And I, I think that's not to say that there aren't any other decks. Obviously, Azul did fantastically with Lost Box. And Lost Box has been kind of that we've seen it with the play percentages where Lugia has consistently been the most played deck, but then right behind it has been Lost Box. Yeah. Yeah, and Mew tends to be sort of in that conversation too amongst those sort of high percentage played decks. But Lost Box, usually if you sum up the different variants, will be slightly ahead of Mew at any given tournament. And, you know, Lost Box popularity is is interesting to me because I feel like it's less rewarding for the layman to play Lost Box than it is to play Lugia, right? And that also sort of demonstrates itself in the results where you don't see that same congregation at the top for Lost Box. You'll see a couple of elite players who play Lost Box at any given tournament who are making top eight. But you won't... I have yet to see, at least in my recollection, like a surprise name. You know, I've not seen people make their first top eight with Lost Box. Yeah, I mean, we just look at the international from Melbourne this last weekend azul winning and pedro is the other uh pedro torres is the other lost box list in top eight so you know uh, definitely uh names that have been around the block yeah <laughs> for real um and, you know on the whole there weren't like any crazy big surprises in the top eight of oceania it was actually eerily similar to my prediction from last week you know mm-hmm. just minus the control in favor of another mew so I'm interested in sort of two particular things when we look at Oceania. The first for me is, you know, we talked about Lugia's sort of sustained success, its continued uh, results in the format. I'm interested to hear about sort of the evolution of Lugia. We saw a, cu- a bunch of different styles of Lugia at this tournament. We saw some folks playing, you know, more traditional, Isaiah Bradner's group playing a much more traditional, straightforward Lugia list. You have Tord playing a Pikachu VMAX Lugia list. You have um, the Japanese player playing a like more controlly Lugia list, right? Mm-hmm. With a, the mm-hmm. Veltals and Path to the Peak. What's the deal with all these different variants? And do you have any sort of 
strong feelings about any of them coming out of Oceania? Well, I feel like everyone's trying to just gain a leg up in certain situations. So you look at the, and and maybe, you know, that situation is the mirror. So you look at the control player, certainly those techs, very good in the mirror, multiple eveltal, run your opponent out of energy. You know, maybe you take a big knockout early and then you just spam eveltals until they're down to, you know, their last few attackers. Um, you look at the flying Pikachu as being potentially decent in the mirror. Although I do think you give up some of the consistency by trying to run, you know, a two, two line of flying Pikachu. Uh, but you are potentially hitting for weakness, which I think for last weekend was very good with a lot of the top players dropping Dunsparce. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, you know, lightning attackers were just definitely on the rise, you know, stocks of lightning attackers were definitely high last weekend. Um, so I think we will see kind of a course correction this weekend in Knoxville with more players playing Lugia, playing the Dunsparce to to counter Zorora, Pikachu, Vikavolt, I don't know, whatever other lightning attackers that there might be out there. But, Regilecki. Um, Regilecki, honestly. Yeah, I mean, two, uh, yeah, two Reggies in the top nine. That's crazy. <laughs> so... Um, I think so, like, with with, uh, with these Lugia lists, they're looking to gain that upper hand. Uh, and I think particularly in the mirror, I look at that, again, that Japanese player's control, the flying Pikachu lists, as just being card inclusions that may not outright win you the mirror, but at least give you a slight advantage and maybe give you some comeback potential if you go second that you otherwise might not have had. Yeah, I mean, the, the flying Pikachu is an interesting option. We actually have seen that in a lot of online tournaments. Uh, Evan Campbell has been running it pretty consistently in, in late-night tournaments. It's interesting in the mirror because if you get that Flying Pikachu up with a Parasol, it's actually really hard to deal with it after you've knocked out their Lugia V-Star. The only real attacker that can swing into it at that point is like your Archeops, which you're not mm. really trying to attack into a Flying Pikachu. Right. Um, potentially not even for a two-hit knockout, depending on your powerful color situation. So that's not great. Uh, obviously, Veltal can hit through that if you get rid of a, a Parasol, but that's dependent on you getting rid of their Parasol. And we've seen lost vacuum counts pretty consistently now go to one or zero um, mm-hmm. in many Lugia lists. So might not even be, be realistic or possible, <laughs> depending on your list, to remove that Parasol. The cool thing about the Pikachu, in my opinion is it also has a lot of benefits against other random decks. You know, Pikachu is just a strong card. That's been something we've recognized for many months now, right? Like playing Pikachu, um, even all the way back at the World Championship, where it was a counter to Palkia and also had the fringe benefit of beating other decks. Mm-hmm. You know, the Pikachu is a good card, right? Uh, so you have a Parasol and a Pikachu beats Lost Box, more or less. It's at least very effective against it. Yeah. Uh, Parasol and Pikachu is very effective against Reggie's. So Pikachu is, is a cool attacker. You know, you can't hate at least the innovation in trying it. Um, I think the control deck I'm less sold on. I don't really get the idea of merging control and Lugia into one concept. Um, and I'm, I'm really trying to like understand exactly why that all fit together and, and worked even. <laughs> um, you know, it looked fine on stream, but I, don't quite get it personally. I don't know if you feel differently. 
I do understand the paths in Lugia, right? Because it's very similar to decks that we've seen, um, you know, even as far back as like an example 2018, where players were playing Garbodor in their Zorark decks. And it's like, well, that's kind of silly because you're shutting off your own ability. But um, <laughs> it maybe makes a little bit more sense now even because you have a one-time ability that you're trying to use on your second turn of the game. So if you're able to get that off and you're able to prevent your opponent from getting the uh, getting their ability off in the mirror, that could be a massive advantage. Add into the fact that they're playing maximum counts of double turbo so they could even drop a path on the first turn of the game and still power up a lugia and still be swinging for you know a two hit knockout on anything on their opponent's side of the field i think it makes a lot of sense marnie path is a really good combo and in lugia i think it's a lot of fun as well i was messing around with a lugia list that took this idea to the extreme <laughs> where I was playing four Marnie, four path. Oh no, I was playing, no, two Marnie, four path, but, uh, excuse me. Three let me, Marnie? Let me be th no, two Marnie, three path, which I would say is probably about the extreme that I would, I don't think I would ever go up to four path, but maybe a third three. Marnie can be yeah, good. You could do In any case, <laughs> it was performing pretty well for me. I mean, just on the ladder, but it was, uh, it, it was performing very well. And I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of merit to that combo in the Lugia deck because we talk about how broken Lugia is and I think it has the space to play these cards and I think it can effectively utilize them to gain advantage in the mirror. Yeah, I mean, the path Marnie combo, I'm all for that. You know, I've been a, I've been a long time proponent of Marnie being broken, but uh, I didn't really quite understand leaning into Evaltal at that point because in my opinion, Lugia is a great way to remove energy from the board and it's knocking out the thing in front of you you know um so maybe i'm missing something there but i definitely agree that like marnie path is good and it you know at its core it you can understand how you reach that conclusion for lugia right because you're really mm -hmm. only trying to use one v-star power one time right. and then you're done so yeah I, i'm with you there though so I think, yeah, fundamentally, though, like, these decks are trying to get a leg up in the Lugia mirror. Is it as effective as just playing a better Lugia deck? It kind of has yet to be proven, in my opinion, that it's more effective than just playing a regular Lugia deck. You know, we that was those are the decks that made top eight, you know, or the standard Lugia list. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I don't know if the investment's necessarily worth it in favor of just making your Lugia deck better. Sure. Sure. Let's shift a little bit to Azul's Lost Box list. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about Pedro's as well because they share some similarities. But um, what, from a Lost Box perspective, was the crucial difference between how decks were being built and how they needed to be built at Melbourne and how they should be built moving forward? Like, what were the changes between prior tournaments and this yeah, I mean, allowed I think Azul to win? I think the, the biggest shift and the most obvious one was moving away from the Kyogre as a sort of staple of your Lost Box deck and instead relying more heavily on your other forms of attackers and also including the Sky Seal Stone as an option. So Azul's deck, you know, the Dragonite, obviously we've, we've been fans of the Dragonite on the cast for a while now. We think that card is super good in Lost Box. It covers a lot of holes, fills a lot of weaknesses. 
and then including the Drapion as sort of an alternative to the Kyogre. Kyogre feels like it it thrives the most against mm-hmm. Mew, where it can really just easily clean up the game for you. And Drapion and Sky Steel Stone achieve a very similar effect, where you can just take four prizes in one go. Um, and the cool thing about the Drapion Sky Steel Stone is it actually prevents Mew from being able to Roxanne you. Whereas you might open yourself up to that if you do a Kyogre based play and like KO MUV Max. Um, so I think that was a really wise decision. I think the Manaphy being so ubiquitous in Lugia and Lugia players getting more and more woke as to when to bench the Manaphy yes. has made it really difficult and, to actually meaningful, meaningfully Kyogre in that matchup. Well, and you're also seeing Wash Energy be played. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there were a couple of players that I saw play Wash Energy that I was like, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you're blocking the uh, Sableye snipe. But that's yeah. also, I feel like, another thing where, you know, usually the Lost Box list, try to Sableye, the Manaphy, maybe another one prizer, and then set up that Kyogre for the late game, not that the Manaphy's off the board. Yeah, and I think... You get a lot of space afforded to you by the Kyogre. It's not like just the Kyogre itself that's a consequence of that, right? Like you don't have to play a second energy recycler anymore. You can cut back on some of your energy counts a little bit. You can play a training court instead of a pokey stop because you don't have to dig as hard and instead can opt to like more consistently use your energy. Um, so I think it all just kind of fit together really nicely. I thought it was a very smooth list. And honestly, I think the moving away from the Kyogre, I think, was a, a good decision, at least for Oceania. Um, both because, like we said, it's getting harder and harder to use the Kyogre effectively. And also, it's just a, I don't know, I feel like all those cards sort of pigeonhole you in, into that mm-hmm. being sort of your late game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, because you invested so heavily in the deck building process into the Kyogre. Whereas when you sort of shift away from that, you can instead lean into cards like Dragonite to close out the game in, in cool yep. ways. Or... Um, or just close out games in all the standard ways you already could, where Kyogre might be a win more in those situations. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I think, um, you know, this list, probably close to the standard moving forward. Um, just you have a lot of these really strong pieces. You mentioned the Dragonite. Drapion, Sky Seal Stone is another one that, that I would be remiss to talk about because that is just um, nasty, you know, for that Mew matchup. You're afforded so much time to figure out your route yeah, that it makes it such a good matchup. Um, you know, and then just the inherent, you know, speed that uh, the Cramorant can provide in that, in that deck. Um, just, it, it adds up. It was, it was a great call. He's been playing lost box for the majority of the season. And I certainly think it's one of those decks that the more games you have with it, the more likely you are to do well because you can get into some of these hairy situations where you need to make exactly the right play. You need to put exactly the right damage on the right Pokemon. Um, you need to lost zone the right cards and know how that's going to affect the game down the road. So um, once again, congrats to Azul. Great list. Yeah, and I just want, I do want to call out, like I think Azul demonstrated all of those skills really well over the course yeah. of the, yes. the tournament. You know, he showed off the fact that, you know, maybe you actually don't even attack with Cramorant for a turn, right? Maybe you hold off for a turn because burning that extra switch card isn't going to be worth the 110 damage. Mm-hmm. He's shown off, like, how meaningful every single loss zoning can be. I actually think that's where, like, things really fall into place is, like, how many comfies you use a turn and 
uh, what cards you choose to get rid of is where you really start to get punished with the Lost Fox deck even more than uh, where the damage counters fall. Yeah, right. There's there's certainly like a, a inflection point between what you have to discard and, you know, what you just feel like discarding, right? Like you don't have to use Comfy every turn. You don't have to use Colrus every turn. You know, there, there's kind of a comfortable landing spot where you want to get to. You know, you obviously you want your seven in the discard to to open up the Mirage Gate plays. You want your ten in the discard or in the Lost Zone to open up your Sableye plays. But beyond that, there are times where you really don't want to be having to make those choices between getting rid of certain <laughs> cards off of Comfies or Colruses. Yeah, I I agree. So it's really like great showing of lost box i actually tried to queue up some games like as ocic was happening i was trying to queue up some games of lost box but then i kept running into i kept attaching the energy from my my mirage gate too fast online and i would always attach them in the wrong order which would like severely mess up my plan well that's the thing with that with that card it like switches the order it does it does it does and it doesn't seem like it's super consistent either (laughs) (laughs) so you like always have to pay attention so i hate paying attention yeah man i was just trying to like zone out and like attach energy to a greninja (laughs) i ended up with like a two psychic greninja and i was just (laughs) really frustrated so that was like the last time i played pokemon for a day and a half (laughs) yeah so all that to be said Azul put on a master class do watch his games uh, not even just the finals like watch the games that he was on stream they're really interesting um and congrats again to Azul for putting on a show and winning OCIC second one in the books second of many potentially yeah if you ask him I think he'll say so <laughs> <laughs> So, DW, I think then, before we talk about Knoxville, let's go ahead and move into a card of the day. Sounds good. So, I have been putting together some old decks at um, the request of my brother. We were at the zoo last weekend and, you know, obviously taking Harper to go see the lemurs and the (laughs) red pandas and the sloths and... The bear, I like the bears actually at the Columbus Zoo. The bears are, bears are pretty cool. Mm. But we were talking about old decks and I was like, yeah, you know, there was this one deck, you know, cause he's a big Rayquaza fan. And I was like, yeah, there was this one deck where like you could just like bench eight Pokemon and swing with Rayquaza for like one hit KOs on anything. And you could do it all on the first turn of the game. And as I was talking about that, I was like, well, and then there was this one counter card to the whole strategy that was really, really important for decks that wanted to take a decent matchup against the Rayquaza. And that card, can you guess it? The Sudi Woody? Yes, the Pseudo Wudo. So Pseudo Wudo <laughs> has a roadblock ability. Your opponent can't have more than four benched Pokemon. And if you play it down and they have five or more, they discard until they have four on their bench. So that's in direct contrast to the Rayquaza deck and what it wants to do of playing down a Skyfield, filling the bench. And obviously Rayquaza does more damage based on the amount of bench Pokemon you have and doing 30 damage times the number of bench Pokemon in play. So can do upwards of 240 um, unless your opponent has a Pseudowoodo down. 
yeah, the uh, <laughs> Sudamudo is a a real annoying card, honestly. It was basically like you were trading four bench slots for your opponent having four bench slots. Is right. how I always thought of it. Right. Um, it's did funny. it feel? Did it feel balanced to you? Sudowoodo or Equation? Yeah, Sudowoodo. I think Sudowoodo was a little heavy-handed, but uh, I don't know. Rayquaza was still able to do decently well in the mm-hmm. formats that had it. So I think Rayquaza was like a little insanely powerful for a while there. So it felt warranted. Yeah. Well, it was crazy that we had Sudowoodo and Parallel City. In the same format. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I do agree. I think, yeah, again, Sudowoodo was super heavy-handed, right? Like in the same way that Drapion is pretty heavy-handed in what it's trying to do. Right. But, uh, yeah, Rayquaza felt like it kind of warranted it almost even more than Mew did because I feel like Rayquaza just shut down everything <laughs> if, it, mm. if it got moving. Um, Rayquaza, honestly, Eternus VMAX is <laughs> is Rayquaza, uh, Mega Rayquaza EX at home. <laughs> yes, definitely. Like Rayquaza is just better. <laughs> well, the craziest thing I always think about the Rayquaza deck is that you could evolve it on the first turn. The first turn? You could power it up on the first turn, too. Yeah, you could do 240 on the first turn of the game. Now, is that very, um, you know, is that what happened most of the time? No, but the fact that it exists was really powerful at the time. I feel like I did not, when I was playing, play that deck enough. Yeah. You know, I think I played it for some League Cups or something, but... I never brought it to a regional. Rayquaza was also a great... I wish I played Rayquaza more because at the time that Rayquaza was good, I I was kind of, I would say, like a sort of middle, upper middle pack player. Mm-hmm. And Rayquaza was great for that kind of player. <laughs> you know, if you can make <laughs> yeah, some of those... all about like, the sequencing. If you can make some of those like basic sequencing decisions, right? Yeah. And just get your Rayquaza moving, like... You're chilling. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah, basic sequencing, kind of identifying opponent's threats. You know, there wasn't really many high-level plays that you could make with the deck just because of the nature of the deck. But, man, it was it was extremely powerful. And like you said, probably, <laughs> probably a really good deck for those upper-middle class players. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I probably would have got a few more championship points that year if I played Rayquaza. Mm-hmm. But... Is what it is. Sudowoodo is a great choice, though. <laughs> and before we move on to talk about Knoxville, we would be remiss not to thank our sponsor. Uh, Tag Team is presented, of course, by Manscaped. And if you're watching the video version of the cast, you may notice I have emerged after using my beard hedger to trim down my beard to more of a stubble type situation. It works great. It feels great. It's really satisfying to use. I'm actually a really big fan of this product. Um, it's in close contention with the boxers for me. <laughs> okay, so, really? So, so glowing, glowing. That's high praise. If you're if you've been listening to the cast for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of the boxers, and I wear them to every single Pokemon tournament, and every tournament that I've worn them, I've made day two. So, trust me, there's power in those things. And every tournament that you shave after with the beard hedger, you're gonna make day two. I'm a, I mean, I'll be wearing those boxers and <laughs> bringing the beard hedger with Dude, me. the power is so strong. It, there is, I mean, I don't want to say the correlation imp- implies causation or anything like that, but. Somebody stop this man. <laughs> the correlation is there. So. He's getting far too strong. So. But anyway, if you want some of these great products for yourself, head on over to manscaped.com. 
Use code TAGTEAM at checkout, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping. So Riley loves the Beard Hedger. I'm not quite – I'm saving my Beard Hedger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is – I mean, it is a good razor. I just haven't used it uh, on my face yet because we're still – still working on Work that. Work progress. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the long game. We're playing the long game with that. But uh, head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team at checkout. Get yourself a pair of boxers. Throw in a Beard Hedger Pro Kit while you're there. 20% off plus for shipping. Manscaped.com. Use code tag team. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right, JW. So Knoxville is a few short days away. You're yeah, going to be there. I unfortunately will not be. I figured we could do a similar thing as last time, sort of break down our expectations for the top eight of Knoxville. And then I'm curious to hear some of your perspective as well as someone who's about to be on the ground floor. Like what are the things that are sticking out to you and what would you be playing if Knoxville were today? Sure. That's a great question. Um, We have been putting some time into Mew. Um. And I am unfortunately worried that it's a bit of a futile effort. I am particularly worried about any deck that would play Drapion and then particularly worried about any deck that would play Drapion and Sky Seal Stone. Because until OCIC, we hadn't really seen Sky Seal Stone impact much of anything. Obviously, players knew it was a decent card and it has its use cases, but for the most part it wasn't seeing a ton of play until this weekend and it's a perfect fit in the lost box deck that doesn't need to use another restar ability so i think that the drapion plus sky seal stone is like that's the biggest thing that makes me second guess myself because i imagine that players that are going to be playing lost box style decks will carry over some if not all of the concepts from Azul's and Pedro's lists. And yeah. so that makes it a really tough sell for me to play Mew into those style decks. Yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, Lost Fox is, like we said, the second most played deck. And in my opinion, Mew just, just does not have a great Lost Box matchup in general. It, I don't think it ever really has. And it gets worse when they play a Drapion in their Lost Box. And it gets even worse than that when they also play the Sky Seal Stone and grab those four prizes. They just have so much time. And one of Mew's... One of the ways Mew could win is if they were able to Roxanne. But now, with the Sky Seal Stone and the Drapion, you're taking away that Roxanne potential, right? The Lost Box player just needs to take two prizes and then find august or um you know just get that final knockout on not even august necessarily i mean they might right they might not even need the right so well, i'm you're attacking like, okay well but you could shuffle back in right yeah, i guess <laughs> i mean it's a hard route but the, but that's certainly um that's certainly a strategy against the lost box deck so anyway been playing mew um yeah it just it seems tough man it just seems really tough with uh with the current metagame um, Lugia is obviously a backup. I talked about that earlier in the cast. That deck is just something I'm really comfortable with, and I think a lot of players are. Um, it's a deck that I played at the last regional and got day two. Day two didn't go very well for me, but I don't really attribute that to 
the deck or my play. It was just some matchups, and you know, I prized my last, um, my last uh, uh, lost vacuum in game three against an Arc Duraladon, and I tied a Gudra player that you know, maybe played a little bit slow, but I just needed like one more turn. You know, it was like little <laughs> things like that where it's just the margins of yeah. these ties and losses or just outright, you know, a bad matchup that kept me from, you know, maybe doing a little bit better than I wanted to uh, at the last regional. So Lugia is still on the table as well as kind of a deck that I haven't been putting a lot of time into. And I don't think I will change the list all that much aside from, you know, debating between do I play Irida, do I play Escape Rope, do I play, you know, Second Loss Vacuum, these kind of micro decisions. And then um, I have, I, I probably will not be considering Lost Box for this tournament just because I do not have the time put into it. Mm-hmm. Reggie is back on the table for me. Oh, I yeah. Had, <laughs> I had been, you know, I had been thinking about Reggie for a while. Um, with the uptick in Gudra play, that had seemed like a not great call. Um, but now that Gutra's dying down maybe a little bit, you know, we had Rahul, Reddy, and Sam Chen both finish in the top 16 with their Reggie decks and, you know, maybe giving it a little bit more credence in this format. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Reggie stan for sure. I like playing Reggie's. It's a fun deck. It's, in my opinion, it's the most fun deck to play in the format. Um, it's because you have your silly little Reggies, you know? Dude, the Reggies are hilarious. They're so silly, <laughs> you know? They are silly boys, for sure. <laughs> you know they get up to some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can empathize with all of those decisions, and I could also empathize with the uh, maybe lack of definition in the final call at this yeah. point in the yeah. in the game here. We had been trying some Flying Pikachu in Lugia, and... I don't love it the way that our list is currently constructed. I do think you're losing a little bit in the mirror match, which is kind of funny to say because you play this beefy, um, you play this beefy lightning attacker. But I do feel like, especially if they play Dunsparce, that Pikachu is more so a liability. Now you can get the um, giant parasol and attach that to a Pikachu. And the big so you parasol. prevent what's that? The big parasol. Or the big yeah, the big parasol. Calling a giant school though. <laughs> the enormous, <laughs> the humongous parasol. Uh, I'm always a fan parasol. for using synonyms instead of the real name. So Yeah, wait, that wasn't what it was called. Yeah, the big the big parasol on the uh, Pikachu, obviously you're preventing yourself from getting knocked out um, by the Veltal. But I find that you know, including all those cards kind of clunks up the deck a little bit. It's obviously not as streamlined as some of the other Lugia lists. And yeah, I mean, that's the point I was making earlier too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it has some advantages, but I think overall it's just a less consistent deck and man, it's hard to justify playing less consistent decks at this point. It just feels like I want my deck to do what I need to do every single game. Uh, to have a chance to do well at these uh, at these huge tournaments, these big tournaments. So, if you were looking at Lugia, what would be those like key texts that you would opt to include? Right, our group has historically included Drapion in our Lugia decks as a sort of fallback against Mew. Um, it's proven, I think, to be pretty strong in, in that matchup. But 
you know, would you still include that? Would you still include both Manaphy and Dunsparce in yeah, your list? Yeah, that's you know, a good what would question. that be? Yeah, I think the um, I think Manaphy and Dunsparce are worthy inclusions. I think one of the things that I would do is think very heavily about my supporter count. Not only the Marnie research split, which I think is very important to consider just with again lost box having you know maybe a little bit better matchup with the current um lists that are being played uh so maybe you want to have a higher marnie count to combat mm. those big hands from lost box the other s supporter that you could play here that that i've been kind of messing around with is like how many bosses orders versus how many serenas do you play again for the one prize decks it's just going to be much better to have boss. How much does Serena bail you out in any given tournament? Never, think, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're relying on Serena to draw, I mean, that is that is tough. So, you know, those are some supporter counts that I'm thinking of. Irida would be a strong consideration for me and then maybe even playing um, an escape rope. But I think the Irida allows you to maybe go down to one loss vacuum. Yeah. Which you're just saving the space. How much do you really need lost vacuum? And you're, you're really just looking at lost vacuum in my opinion for obviously it's another out to path, which we haven't seen a ton of from top decks, but then it's also for the Got giant, on. the big parasols on, I said it again, giant parasols. It's also for the big parasols. <laughs> These in are huge parasols. <laughs> the Arceus Duraladon matchup. Yeah. So going down to that one, but being able to more easily search it out, Seems strong. Now you asked the question about Drapion. I think it's just better to play two choice belt. I did play the Drapion in, uh, you know, at the, at the last regionals that I went to um, over the, over the choice belts and I didn't see a single Mew. <laughs> so in that tournament, it was just not particularly good, but obviously the choice belts are very strong for the mirror. So yeah. would I recommend cutting them? Absolutely not. Do I think two is the appropriate number? Yeah, probably. I mean, you would love to have more, but I think if you played in Irida, that could also be something, or a Skyla, that could also be something where you're more easily able to access the choice belts when you need them. Yeah. I mean, I think all that tracks. It all makes sense to me. Um I agree, like the choice belts definitely should find their way back into the deck at this point versus the lists that we played before. I think we were able to get away with it before, but um, as Lugia decks have gotten more streamlined, I think we have to sort of get back in line with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we necessarily need the Drapion anymore, so I'm pretty much with you on all that. Um, not as into the, the Irida. Maybe I just haven't had enough experience with it yet to, to be sold, though. Mm. Um, so let's take a look then at top eight then you know we're wrapping up day two of knoxville 15 rounds of pokemon have been played and these are the eight decks that are emerging as the top single elimination competitors Javi, what do you think that breakdown will look like personally for me i think we're going to see four lugia again i don't think that's going to change i think we're going to see Two Lost Box, one Mew, one Palkia, and one Control. Well, that's... Sorry, did I go over that by That would one? be nine. Sorry. That would be, how can we have nine decks you're right. in top eight, Riley? You're right. You're Tell right. me. I, I'm thinking which one I want to cut. Yeah. Um, 
I'll cut out the the palk. Alright, so So what what I'm going what about the same. Palkia? Well so even 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 so, like what about Palkia excites you? Nothing. But I think that Ian <laughs> Rob or Jake Earhart will just have another breakthrough. Because <laughs> I think one of the benefits of the Palkia deck was when Lugia decks were not playing a bird keeper or an escape rope. And now that that seems like a ubiquitous inclusion for the majority of Lugia decks, it just feels like it really nerfs that <laughs> style of deck. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm just, I can't deny that Ian Ravis is consistently popping off with the freaking Palk deck, man. He's the Palkia Whisperer. He's the Whisperer. <laughs> but Him it's fine. Jake. I cut it Him out. I cut it out. He'll get ninth. <laughs> okay. Okay. The sad bubble. Um, I So basically, I'm sticking with the same kind of set of takes. I don't think Arctura is going to have another showing. I don't think Gudra is going to make top eight. Um, Vikavolt is maybe the black, the dark, the dark sheep, black horse. <laughs> Messed that up bad. Uh, the black <laughs> sheep or dark horse that that uh, it's been in prior tournaments. I don't think it's going to make top cut again. Yeah, it's tough to think about Vikavolt because you know that's certainly a consideration as well. Um, but one of the issues with Vikavolt is your Lugia matchup is not particularly good if you go second. Especially you if know, they play Dunny. Yeah, especially if they play Dunny. Especially if they can get out their V-Guard energy. You know, <laughs> that is just... If they do that turn one, you just scoop it up. No matter if they get the Archeops out or not. I mean, that's just like... It's, <laughs> it's so hard. Infinite KOing. <laughs> yeah, infinite absolutely. KOing. And obviously, you you know, maybe can have access to that Dunsparce on the bench with the Cross Switchers. But I often find playing the Vikavolt deck, that's a little harder uh, said... Harder done than said. Oh god, we can't put together our <laughs> phrases anymore, bro. Uh, we need to we need to combine our brain cells. I know. I'm I must be running low on them. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's late, dude. It's late. Um. So that is just a nightmare scenario. Um. Going first, you're fine. You know, you can get the Aerodactyl out, or if you're playing the Path version, you know, you you do have that uh, potential to deny Lugia the Summoning Star on turn two, but. Um, it's i mean it's just it's a tough match you know it can't be tough it can't be tough and then you look at um kind of the off meta stuff anything arceus horrible matchup you know arc duraladon horrible anything that just plays like a bunch of basic energy you know uh things like the dark rye you know dark rye <laughs> eternatus speaking of from like play the ladder today. yeah no i mean right yeah uh reggie drago you know these kinds of decks that you're likely to hit in the earlier rounds can completely derail your tournament with no like no sweat you know it's like not even a thing right because they just manually attach their non-special energies and they're playing like 15 of them and they just go to town on you and then you also have the problem of Reggie and Gudra, which again are, I wouldn't say high meta decks, but they certainly comprise a piece of this current metagame puzzle. Yeah, so, and they occupy like noteworthy parts of the meta. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So not high meta, but you know, certainly Reggie has had its share of finishes, Gudra obviously also. Um, and those are two decks that Reggie, I feel like is a little bit more easily beatable just because their game plan is so much more straightforward. Um, they're a little bit more sensitive to item lock in some ways. And if they just never find their auroras, then they can make for, you know, a relatively straightforward game. But the Gudra decks, 
that can be hairy, especially give them a turn of items. Just they can get rolling quick enough. Um, get rolling you know, iron. No pun in, no pun intended. <laughs> Dang it. Then it's, it's almost impossible to win. So if you're playing Lost Box and Lugia with a deck like Vika Volt, like, you're feeling great. You play anything else, it is going to be a slog. Yeah, I mean, Vika Volt feels like one of those decks that's, like, laser-focused, right? I'm going to beat the crap out of out of unprepared Lugia decks, and I'm going to beat the crap out of Lost Box decks especially. And if you don't, like, get that exact situation, or you just don't get the item lock the turn you need it, then it all kind of falls apart. Yep. Yep. So what does your top eight breakdown look like? I actually do want to call out. I was thinking of whether I wanted to include Reggie's in mine, but I think Dunsparce will go back up and sort of gatekeep Reggie. Yeah, I think it'll still be sniffing around top 16, maybe even sniffing yeah. around top eight. But yeah, it does yeah, yeah. feel like kind of that ninth deck to me where it's like Reggie's is good, it's decent. You're seeing a little uh, decrease in the amount of uh, Gudra play, which is good. But I think an increase in dunsparce will be the mo for a lot of lugia players this weekend um but i think there will be a couple of lost box i think a mew i'm kind of beyond that i think it'll just be five lugia like five i think lugia, lugia yeah lugia is just, i know he's crazy he's crazy but i mean that's just where we're at with the format you know a lot of players are like well this format sucks and uh, to some extent i i kind of agree uh lugia is just that deck it's him uh we've been saying that for weeks at this point you know you probably already shut off the podcast because you know we just are like um, shout out to the people who are continuing to listen to us talk about lugia we're just riding lugia so hard but yeah it just is that deck uh certainly lost box decks can compete there are other decks that can compete sky seal stone is really good i'm into lugia decks and really good in the lugia decks that don't play the dunsparce so certainly considerations there um but overall it's just a lugia format i think we figured it out we're in the end game here and it really gates keeps a lot of decks what i'm excited or what I, what would make me excited is if like xander Perro's twitter deck <laughs> somehow made a showing mm. yeah man that deck is crazy <laughs> i don't think anyone will ever make the mistake of playing the intel that mega intellion or whatever that uh intellion v max not certainly not again not again <laughs> right that's got as a one-time mistake you know? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> internationally that weekend it was a one time because Tord played it that same weekend i think in europe oh really and also bombed <laughs> yeah i i took one look at that deck and then when i saw the radiant eternatus and the zero aura i was like okay i'm good <laughs> can you can you give the listeners that maybe don't know what this tweet is kind of a breakdown of the list uh yeah i don't i don't have it open handy but xander tweeted out a crazy like rapid strike intellion zerora deck list the idea uh, against lugia is that you're supposed to yoga loop like a dunsparce or a manaphy and then do all sorts of crazy like sky seal stone plays to take all of your prizes basically instantly um you can like Thornton into a, uh, you can Thornton the Metacham <laughs> into a Zerora and use it the Rapid Strike Zerora. It's crazy. It's pretty insane. Um, but it's really cool looking. And if you manage 
to do really well with it, then you're a really cool person as well. Just right. what I'm hearing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Many people are saying this. Yeah, sure. it's got the... <laughs> I'm opening it now. It's got the, the melodic that protects your hand from Marnie. <laughs> it's got it's got the Rapid Strike Mars shadow in it. <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, obviously... You a 0-3. So rapid... Yeah. 0-3 Inteleon VMAX. Which is such a good count. <laughs> uh, it's so sick. It's got the Oranguru that searches out tools. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly, this is um, this is a deck. It certainly it's is a deck. Broken freaking deck. <laughs> so, so awesome stuff. I want that deck to win. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll take off one. Lugia and put in the Intellion VMAX special. <laughs> the Zero Three Intellion deck, yeah, you should honestly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, who says there's no innovation in this format? <laughs> so true, man. So true. You just gotta you gotta look one step deeper, right? You gotta. So, any advice for you, Riley, for me, in the squad, and those listening at home, for Knoxville? Anything that um, you know? What would you play? In this tournament, what would be some decks that you'd be worried about? Any words of wisdom that you have? I have 50 points to get a world's invite. I would probably play Lugia, <laughs> to be honest. You know, I'd just roll up with a safe deck and make it happen. Um, I think, realistically, in this meta, my advice would really just be, you don't have to be cute, right? You don't have to be cute. You don't have to play the cute deck. You don't have to play the funny tech that nobody else plays. Just to play a better deck than everybody else. Um, I think that's sort of a... That's an evergreen piece of advice, right? The cutest deck isn't the one that wins the tournament. It's the best deck that wins the tournament. Hmm. Um, and to me, if you haven't got the reps with Lost Box, then Lugia is the best deck, sort of unequivocally. And everything else is just trying to play catch-up. So I'm hearing, just play Lugia. And that's that's what I would do, and I've I've said as much too <laughs> in the Discord and stuff. Like, yeah. So, um, I think it's reliable. I think it's good. I think there's a reason that it aggregates at the top tables, um, in higher percentages than its insane, already insane play percentage. It is higher represented consistently at the top tables of the tournament. Like that to me, says more than like any like funny theory could you know yeah totally totally yeah the aggregation at the top i mean is it some of more of the better players are playing lugia and not choosing to play these other decks i mean sure there's probably some of that you know we haven't seen a lot of um you know the game's greats play mew for instance you know we haven't seen or, uh, not in big numbers i don't mean to diminish anyone that's playing that yeah deck. i mean or, or gudra right it's just like um it, it's it's just a great deck that a lot of players are, are trending towards. I mean, I think that's true to an extent. Like, it's probably overrepresented amongst the top players versus the average player. Um, but I think there's also, like, a reason that that happens in the first place, right? And it's because mm. people reach these similar conclusions. To me, I would only really play Lugia or if I was trying to, like, go crazy with it, like, I might play a Lost Box deck just because they're fun. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. not because I think I'm the best Lost Box player in the room. You can learn a lot. You can learn a lot. You really can. <laughs> and learning is half the battle. 
Sure is. So if you want to learn even more from us, you can head on over to our socials. We're over at Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter. Riley at Smiles with Riles. And me at Real John Walter. You can also find us on Twitch where Riley streams the podcast every single Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Twitch.tv slash Munner. I do also want to make a shout out we have tag team shirts. You can find those long sleeve. Very nice. Has the logo, has a little art on the back, has some kind of down the sleeve wording. Find that over at flexdaddy.card shop. Take a look, order one. I might even be able to hand deliver it to you at a tournament. But go ahead and plug those shirts over at flexdaddy.card shop. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. Be sure to leave a rate and review on your favorite podcasting platform, and we will catch you all soon here. Catch you next time. Peace. See you.